We're turning to the book of Ecclesiastes today, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And let me say to our guests uh, that are with us, we're so honored that you've joined us. And I'm asking you, if it's at all possible, to do me a favor. And after our gathering, about 10 minutes after our gathering, if you'll give me about 10 minutes and just go on to Abundant Life Baltimore and you'll see right in there that Zoom page we've been talking about. And when you click on, you'll see a meet and greet. And if you would go there, now this is for our guests so that I could get better acquainted with you. Um, and if you would do that, many of you have been invited already personally, but if you're just joining us and uh, you are a guest, we would love for you to come so that I could visit with you a few minutes, just 10 minutes after the gathering, give me about 10 minutes. If you can do that, give me a thumbs up. All right, that's awesome. Praise God. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes chapter number seven. We're going to read two verses in your hearing for a focal point, but we're going to look at various scriptures. And I, I do feel that the Lord wants to give you his word specifically again today. Ecclesiastes chapter number seven, verse number 13. Consider. Consider the work of God. For who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the days of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider. Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other, so that man can find out nothing that will come after him. By the help of the Lord, I want to preach on this subject. Consider. Consider. Would you pray with me right now and ask God to help us? Father, in your name, we love you, we trust you, we worship you. I pray that you would anoint my mind, that you would anoint the ears of your hearers that you'd melt our hearts together for your spirit to accomplish what it's set out to do. Whether it's a regular attendee or member, whether it's a guest for a first or second or third time, doesn't matter. We're all here in your divine purpose. And so we're praying to help us to connect to that. In the name of Jesus, I pray. We trust you and thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Consider. Consider. A theologian by the name of Fred Rogers, yes, as in Mr. Rogers, he made this statement, even though he wasn't a theologian. Life is deep and simple, and what our society gives is shallow and complicated. Why is that so? Because life is from God. It's deep and simple. But what our society is, is of the flesh, which is shallow and complicated. But oh, the depths and the riches of God. You can go throughout scripture and search the word riches. You'll find of his riches in wisdom and knowledge. As Paul says in Romans chapter 11, verse 33, Oh, the depth and the riches, 
both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. I want you to connect with me for a moment here. I'll take a few more moments, in fact. But right now, more than trying to get this verse and location, I want you to get the, 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 the spirit of the word of God. It talks about the riches of his goodness. It talks about the riches of his glory. It talks about the riches of his grace. You can read of the riches of his mercy and even the riches of his inheritance. And by that, Paul's speaking in Ephesians chapter 1. You want to flip over there, you can see it in verse 17. He says, I keep asking, Ephesians 1:17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart, wow, that's beautiful, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope, I've got a forever hope, to which he has called you, here it is, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power, look at this, is like the working of his mighty strength. I'm talking about riches. Patrick Henry said in his will, he said, this is all the inheritance I can give to my dear family. The religion of Christ can give them one, meaning an inheritance, which will make them rich indeed. It's as if he was saying, if, if my family has their own faith in Christ and they don't have one penny from my inheritance, they're going to be rich. But if they received all the money in the world and they did not have faith, they would be poor indeed. I'm telling you, according to the word of God, Jesus gives us true riches. It's not the world that is referenced in the Bible as uncertain riches. And that's why we need to tap into the ways of God. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 18, that we may have power together with the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Verse 19, and to know the love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be, here it is, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I've spent just a few minutes here going through scriptures, trying to help us, and, and presumably the writer of Ecclesiastes, which we believe is Solomon, he said in verse 7 of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verse 14, consider Consider. That means to think carefully about. In fact, this Hebrew word, when it's translated 70% of the time in English, it uses the word see, to, to see literally or to see figuratively. Here, the word consider is used. It says consider, see, discern, have experience with, gaze, take heed. To what? What's it say? To the work of God. The way God does things. Take a good look at God's work. And that's what I'm trying to preach to you today. Is that we need to step back and consider. Consider what? Consider 
the work of God. And he went on to ask this rhetorical question. He said, for who can make straight what he has made crooked? He's saying we need to learn, according to one translation, to accept the way God does things. Oh, are you hearing that? Come on, don't. We don't always do good with that. Accept. Mm -hmm. He said, consider the work of God. Can accept the way God does things. We are just mortals, and we cannot change what God determines. He said it. Solomon said it again. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. So we need to learn to happily accept the way things are and to accept our divinely appointed lot in life. Because we as humans, we have little or no control over times and changes. It is the eternal God who in his sovereignty determines all of life's activities. When you go to uh, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there's a time for everything, a time to be born, a time to die. That word time means a divinely appointed thing. And I know there's people that will find fault with God's ways, what God has done, why has God done this. But let me tell you, no one can change what he thinks. No one can straighten out what he has made crooked. And a lot of people, they like to make their plans and then ask God to bless those plans. But I'm telling you what's the proper way to do this is to discover his plans. God, what are your plans? And then guide us within the framework of what you have ordained. Does that make sense? Instead of, oh God, you know, here we are. I want you to, I, I, Lord, I want you to bless these plans. No, God, you have an eternal purpose. You have a plan in, the, in, in all of eternity, but you also have it in me. And I'm praying that you would help me, guide me in that framework in which you have ordained it. Hang with me. We're going somewhere. I'm going to tell you quickly. I've got to make sure you understand this. I do recognize the power of the gifts of healing I believe in intercession. I believe in spiritual warfare and certainly the expanding of God's kingdom on earth. That's what we've been preaching. All of that is still in the Bible and it's still a mandate of the church to exercise. But if we're honest, if we're really transparent, many times our stress, efforts, and even our agenda is trying to get God to conform his will to ours. Trying to get God to go into the box we prepared for him. But the last I read, Jesus instructed us to pray, your will be done. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We are to pray, your kingdom come. Jesus himself said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And when we act and sometimes we even pray in the flesh. We're not considering. We're not seeing. We're not discerning. We're not taking heed to the will and the sovereignty of God. I'm telling you right now, it affects how you and I view life and how we respond to this temporary life that we're in. Yes? Solomon illustrated, go to the next verse, verse 14. He said, in the days of prosperity, be joyful. But in the days of adversity, consider. 
It seems to be resumed from verse 13. Consider the work of God. This is, this is how God works here. For God has made. God has appointed. He has set one as well as the other. He's given us prosperity in his appointed time, if that's his will. And he's also given us adversity. Adversity is one of those things that God has made crooked and man cannot make straight. So we got to be patient. And haven't you noticed a lot of times when the prosperity comes, we want to take credit for that. Look how hard we've worked. Look what a good job I have done. But as soon as adversity comes, we want to blame God on that. That's not what the Bible says here. That's not we, we've got to get we've got to consider the ways of God. And we've got to understand that blessed be his name. When the sun is shining down, when things are everything I want them to be, it's you. Blessed be his name. But even when there's darkness and wilderness, it's you. Blessed be your name. I wonder if we could right now bless his name. Lord, I praise you, Jesus. I worship you because you're a God that I can trust in all things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Consider this. I'm trying to help you with the way God works. There's no way I can do that in 30 minutes. That's why you've got to be a disciple of Jesus. That's why you've got to be a part of learning and growing. But he's saying, when, when, when there's days of prosperity, be joyful. Don't be a sadist. Oh, you know. No, enjoy it. They're temporal gifts from God. Enjoy them. Give praise and thanksgiving to the giver. But remember, sunshine doesn't always last. God has balanced prosperity with adversity. He's put them against each other. You know, if he didn't do that, how many of us would then put prosperity in the place of God himself? He's all wise. So this verse says, so that man can find out nothing that will come after him. He's put prosperity. He's put adversity. Therefore, a man cannot discover anything about his future. This verse 14 in the message says it this way. On a good day, enjoy yourself. On a bad day, examine your conscience. God arranges both kinds of days so that we won't take anything for granted. Oh, we've been facing some things personally as a globe in the world that we live in. We're facing things. But I'm telling you, we've got to consider the ways of God. He allows the good times and the bad times to come together. He blends them in our life in such a way we can't predict the future, nor can we count on our own human wisdom and power. When life appears certain and controllable, oh, we're tempted. Got to be careful. You can't um, lean into self-satisfaction or complacency or getting too comfortable. You, you got God says, all right, let me put them in a place where they've got to trust in me. And now life is uncertain and it is uncontrollable. But he said, you don't have to despair. God's in control and will bring good results out of even the struggles. That's the kind of God that is that we serve today. Consider that. When God blesses us with abundance, enjoy it. When there's difficult times come, just remember he has still not abandoned us. God's made the one, the bad times, as well as the other. 
Have you ever heard somebody say, and I'm sure I've said it too, I'm just going with the flow. I'm just going with the flow. Or maybe we say, it is what it is. Well, you know what? I think I'm giving you some biblical reference for those phrases. As long as you're plugging it into what I'm preaching and the Word of God is teaching us today. Is when you say, I'm going with the flow, it all depends on what the flow is. Is it your emotions? Is it your guilt of and subservient to somebody else? No, no. But when you say, I'm going with the flow, and he is the flow, I'm trusting in his ways, then that's a good flow to be in. If you say it is what it is, that's not necessarily always meaning I give up, but it's saying I trust his sovereignty. I understand. That's what Solomon said. He said, I'm recommending that you submit to the sovereignty of God. And that's the word that I feel in my spirit to tell you today, is we've got to trust and submit to the sovereignty of God. Let's get out of this credit and blame and ledgers that we've got going on here. We just got to say, he's good, and he's good all the time, even when it doesn't seem like it's good for me. You go to a therapist, and they bend your uh, uh, leg back because they're trying to get it back to normal. That don't feel good to you, but you know there is an outcome that is good. And I'm asking you right now to consider, to consider the ways of God and know that he is in control. Hallelujah. There's nothing more comforting. There should be nothing more comforting to the children of God than his sovereignty. We've got to understand there's nothing that we should more earnestly contend for, as Spurgeon said, is the doctrine of the, their master over all creation. He's the master of over everything. He's the king over all the works of his hands. He has the throne of God that he sits upon, and that's what we trust in. Does that make sense? Is, is that helping here to minister? That, that the Lord is telling us that, that we've got to consider. Quit considering what you see in all these temporal things. Consider the ways and the works of God. You know, when you look at the Bible, and, and even in Jesus' days when he was physically here on earth, the mentality of those people were that riches were a sign of God's blessing and God's favor. And so conversely, adversity, being without, they assumed that was God's displeasure. Now, that was the story, of course, in the Old Testament with Job. His friends looked at him, and in fact, they looked at him seven days before they ever said anything, but they attributed Job's suffering that somehow God was punishing him for some supposed wickedness in his life. That was their mentality. Now go over quickly, please, to John chapter number 9, and I'm going to illustrate this through the Word of God. John chapter number 9, as again, Jesus on the earth, this is their mindset, and it says in verse 1, John 9, 1, as he went along, Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. They want to know, did this man sin in the womb? Or maybe his parents sinned and now he's receiving the punishment for that? Which one? Which one, Jesus? He's born blind. Something's going wrong. What is it? Look at his answer in verse 3. He said, neither this man or his parents sinned. Now, we have trouble with that very first word. 
neither. We've got trouble saying, what do you mean neither? It's neither of our ideas, none of our opinions or options, or none of our explanations are correct. Oh, come on. We have trouble. It's got to be one or the other. I mean, logic in my understanding says it has to be one of those. How many times have we said that before trying to figure something out? It has to be one of those, right? Because that's our human resources. That's, that's our mentality that we've got everything on the table. It's got to be one of these. Come on, Jesus. It's got to be one. Well, no, it doesn't have to be one of our answers when you consider the ways and the works of God. I'm preaching right now. Sad, I have to announce it. But I'm telling you that we're saying neither. What do you mean neither? You didn't pick one of my options. Because God, when you consider the riches of his mercy and his grace and all that he is, he doesn't need to pick one of our options. Hallelujah. So my word, I'm just preaching on one word of Jesus right now. He said neither this man or his parents have sinned. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, you need to get that neither in your spirit. Say, God, I've got my ideas, I've got things, but oh, when I consider your ways, yeah. there is something that I haven't thought about because my ways are, are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. I'm telling you, whatever you're going through right now in the name of Jesus, it's not confined. God's not confined to your neither. That's good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands. I feel the Holy Ghost right now ministering to some. If you're a guest with us, I'm not here to make speeches. I'm here to mix that word with your faith if you'll submit to it right now and trust him right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. So he said, neither, no, neither this man or the parents have sinned. But go on with verse 3. Here's the answer. He said, this happened. I know you didn't consider it because you weren't considering my ways and my works. He said, but consider this. It happened, here it comes again, so that the works of God might be displayed in him. What happened to this blind man was not a result of wrongdoing. But it was rather according to the works of God, the plan of God. It wasn't his blindness as a result of sin, but it was so that God could be glorified. But their limited earthly perspective as human beings, they were very poorly equipped to correctly diagnose, hear me, when bad things happen. That's why it's so important for us to pray that his will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And I'm telling you, if you'll consider the works of God, you'll have a whole lot better of a journey. If you'll understand that what's happening to me right now, there is nothing that's happening to me. I'm talking about his sovereignty. Nothing that's happened to me that God didn't either cause or allow. And oh God, why'd you allow this? Read it. He gives you adversity because he's going to temper us. He's going to make sure that we're saved. If we through faith follow him, quit getting so stressed about what you cannot change. Yeah. Hallelujah. God knows and he directs everything that happens. He is in complete control of our lives. Even though it may not seem that way sometimes. And how foolish it is for us to contend with our creator. 
who knows us completely and can see the future. Why would I go to Honda and something wrong with my vehicle and tell them what's wrong with it? God love my dad. I just thought came to me. We used to laugh sometimes because he would go to the doctor or go to the mechanic and he would suggest to them what the diagnosis was. We're not the creator. We're not the creator. Solomon, he's stating a profound truth here that you cannot predict what the future holds. The only one that knows that is, is Jesus Christ. He only knows what's going to happen even after I'm gone from this life. So no human, no, we don't know the future. Every day has got to be lived on its own merit and value. Is Am I aligning myself in the framework of the purpose of God? He's saying you can't take charge of your own destiny. Our plan should always look up to God, not just to our future. We're always saying, oh, what's my future? Where's my God? Because if I know my God, he will direct me in his great future. I'm going to say again, my point here is not fatalism. I'm not, I'm not advocating faith without works, as James taught us not to do. The Bible gives us plenty of admonishment about man's response and partnership in the ways of God. We, we've got to partner with it. But this is about submitting our actions. And you can't just sit there and say, well, God is sovereign. Honey, we're hungry. Can you go to work? God is sovereign. No, no, no. We've got to do some things. But we've got to submit our actions and our plans into the hands of a father who knows what's best for us. It's always about trusting the ways of the Lord. And you know what? Turn your Bibles to James 4, please. James chapter 4. The very one that admonishes us about faith without works. He taught us in James chapter 4, verse 13. Now listen. You who say today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city and we'll spend a year there and we'll carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? I understand we can have thoughts, plans, dreams, aspirations. I was just say before when we were younger, we'd say, I want to get married at this age. We're going to have this many kids this far apart. Like we know what we're talking about. We don't know what we're talking about. But notwithstanding, he's not talking about dreams and aspirations. He's saying, why? You, you, don't, you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Verse 14, you are a vapor. You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So instead, he didn't just describe our situation. Thank God he gave his advice. Verse 15, he said, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Now, I'm 55. In the old school, I remember it so much. My mother wouldn't hardly say anything without the predicate of if the Lord wills. And I'm not going to quibble over language, but because I certainly don't practice that as she would or did, but we better not lose the spirit of that. I believe that was a reminder of what is said here, that he is sovereign. He said, you don't have the power to make a, a, a hair on your head black or white. It's all in the sovereignty of God. And so I try to do a little bit like, uh, well, I'm planning on going to the store. All right? 
you, you, you don't have to put it in your language, but you sure got to put it in your spirit. He's saying you ought to say if the Lord wills, if he empowers me, if it's a part of his plan that I fit into. Look at verse 16. Otherwise, if you don't do that, you are boasting about your own plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do. See, there's action. There's some action there. And then not do it. But those actions have to be within the consideration of his ways and his will. I'll give you a little practical example this week. Um, well, it was last week, we had to unexpectedly buy a refrigerator. Ours started not keeping cool and freezing, and that's kind of the object of the appliance. So um, we got online, and we looked, and anyway, the short of it is we ordered this, and uh, it said 2021, and, and the uh, worker just, oh, look at that, thought it was some kind of computer typo or something, put 2020 there. Next Tuesday when we're expecting it, there's nothing coming, and fact of the matter is they meant what they said. It was going to be delivered in 2021. Well, uh, we thought our food was spoiled by then, so um, we had to do it all over again. Now, that's enough of that little fun story. My wife was disappointed as much as we didn't plan on buying a refrigerator if you're going to buy one. Why not get excited about it? Something new. And so she was looking forward to it. And uh, I just thought it was beautiful because really it's illustrating this point. She said, you know, but we just got to believe that God knows what's best. Meaning, the one we're getting now, we got to trust that that's a better one for us. You're saying, a fridge? Really? Yes, really. People get stressed over things like that and even less than that. Their blood pressure goes up, they'll hit the cat, whatever they're gonna do, I don't know, don't do it, <laughs> okay? Get all this stuff. I'm telling you, stress comes most often over things we cannot change. You know that famed serenity prayer? I looked it up, if Wikipedia is right, American theologian, uh, he, we now commonly quote it as this, God, Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. Well, Jesus was teaching us serenity prayers long before this theologian that died in 1971 because he said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 28, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider. Uh-oh, there's that word. Consider. Consider what? The ways of God. Look at uh, Matthew 6, 28. I don't think I'm pressing anything into the word of God. Solomon said in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, consider the works of God, the way God does things. Now Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 6, verse 28, consider what? The lilies of the field. That's God's works. How they grow. They don't toil. They don't spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So verse 31 says, so do not worry. 
saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? It sounds like the essence of our temporal uh, life and the things that can monopolize us if you don't consider the ways of God. What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? If you get so sideways on that kind of stuff, the Bible says, Jesus said in verse 32, for the pagans run after all of those things. I'm not preaching against eating and drinking as long as it's not addictive stuff. That's how you live. Clothes, I recommend them. Okay? But if you get so preoccupied about what's going on, he said, look at uh, verse 32 again. He said, these things dominate. That's what the New Living Translation says. They dominate the thoughts of the unbelievers. Like, oh, my word, a fridge, not what I wanted. Oh, my goodness, a week later. No, you've got to put these things in consideration that God's in control of every detail of your life. In fact, he said your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Don't do it that way, but seek first. Consider first, uh, 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 experience him first, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added or given to you. You've got to understand that God is in control, that God is sovereign, and we've got to lean into his sovereignty. It's not an accident that you're listening to me today right now because God has a plan for your life. And when you thought you were going to give up, when you thought there was no hope, I'm telling you in the name of Jesus Christ that there is a God that's moving. Hallelujah. He's the master chessman. You say, but I messed up. I was disobedient. Oh, if you make a dumb move there, he knows how to, to move around that, to save you and preserve you if you are hungry for him, yeah. if you're seeking him. If you do what you know to do, then God will do what only he can do. Don't get that mixed up. We try to do what God's supposed to do, and we think he's supposed to do what we're supposed to do. Did you get all those supposed tos? I did. And I'm, I'm telling you, it's real. People live it all the time. Well, only God can do this. But I'm going to try to help God out with that. God say, look, I got my business here. I'm sovereign. Why don't you take care of what you know you need to take care of? In fact, I'm telling you right now, if you're in sin, don't be blaming God for the adversity and the things that are going on. He loves you enough that whatever he allows to happen, he's bringing you to salvation. You've got to put your faith in. In the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to say, Lord, I need you today. You are my Savior. And if you put your faith in him, it'll show up through your repentance. You say, God, the gospel, the good news of your death, burial, and resurrection is applied to my life through the repentance of my sin. Through baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Go online. Fill it out there. Uh, uh, pray for me. Uh, whatever you want to do. I want to be baptized. We'll meet you. We'll, 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 be, we'll be safe. But I'm telling you right now, you can be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. For the removal, the remission of your sins. The Bible doesn't say you do it to join Abundant Life Assembly. You do it because you want to be saved. Because you want to make it to heaven. Jesus said you must be born again of the water and the spirit to enter the kingdom of God. And when you come up out of the water, you can be a new creature in Christ Jesus. You're going to be resurrected. You'll be spirit filled. 
You'll speak a language you never learned as a sign His Spirit is in your heart. If I'm talking too fast or you're not understanding what I'm saying, you've got to get into a Bible study. Reach out to us. We can do it through Zoom. Hallelujah. Almost felt like cat in the hat. We'll do it through this. We'll do it through this. What's all that going on? In a car, in a plane, we'll do it some way. But I'm just telling you right now, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believe? Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I say have your own way, Tay. Which Let's pray. Let's pray right now. Let's pray in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, have your own way today. Wherever you are right now, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Saints of God, would you lean into his sovereignty? I'm not saying just... Let life go by. Faith will always produce works of obedience. I'm not saying don't stop praying for healing and salvation and victory. But what I am saying is, Lord, whatever, whatever I pray, hallelujah, I'm going to do it in accordance to your will. In the name of Jesus, if you're a guest with us, or maybe you're a part of our family, but you've never been spirit-filled, God will fill you right where you are. You can pick up the phone and call with somebody for a spirit of agreement. God is in this house. Hallelujah. Right now, as you're praying, I'm just trying to illustrate that when I walk in the sovereignty of God, my prayers look different. My attitudes look different. It's not trying to talk God into something. We just say, Lord, we trust you and we praise you. Hallelujah. Right now, all across this place, would you pray? Would you repent of your sins? Would you trust him? Thank you, Jesus. Would you let his presence touch you? 